Welcome to this podcast recording from the 2022 POD, Partnership Opportunities in Drug Delivery Conference on Drug Delivery Pipeline and Technologies, a Year in Review. The POD conference is produced by the Conference Forum. For more information, please visit podconference.com. Enjoy the podcast recording from POD 2022. I amended my title a little bit from drug delivery to pharma technologies because we're seeing really this convergence of discovery tech, biomarkers, diagnostics, and drug delivery all being incorporated into uh, design of new products and treatment therapy. So I wanted to cover that little aspect as well, too. I'm going to go over and set the stage. I'm going to look at the, the market and pipeline overview, look at changes and trends in molecule types, just technologies. Also, I want to take a look at clinical trial trends to see what's getting into the clinic, what's happened over the past few years. Obviously, we've had a lot of interesting events in the last few years, and how is that re- relating into the clinical trial space? Also, we're looking at some key approvals, some notable DD technologies, as, as usual. And we're going to look a little closer at cell and gene therapies, as that's becoming a major focus of the early stage pipeline. Uh, and a lot of the cell therapies are also gene based. So we want to take a look at those types of aspects. Also, VC for biologics, and particularly advanced biologic cell gene therapies, where that money is going. Um, looking at CDMOs and CROs, because the, the CMO industry, CDMO industry, is, is really integrated and really a driver of innovation. Now. Now with, with the partnerships, you see these, these companies continually to, to create new, uh, new technologies, these one-stop shop uh, features are becoming very important. Also, this discovery technology is something we'll be looking at the API side. So kind of in, in our minds, we're thinking discovery is about the active ingredient. We're seeing, again, like viral vectors. Is that drug delivery? Is that drug design? So these types of things are starting to come together. And then we want to look a little bit about diagnostics and how companion diagnostics are becoming part of treatment, particularly in an oncology, you know, infections, diabetes, cardiovascular. So I'm going to do the slide here looking over what's been productivity. Uh, last year, or the 2020, during the COVID, was a banner year for uh, new, new molecular entity approvals, both small molecule peptides and BLA approvals. This is through CEDAR. So we're looking at those aspects. And then 2021 is continuing that trend. And if you look at my next slides about the pipeline, it really is following the pipeline. We're still seeing good approvals on novel molecules. And then if we did the new formulations or new drug device combinations, we're going to see a similar trend. So the industry is getting approvals. What I'll do the, the product sales here, and this is uh, 2003 is the year PharmaCircle was formed, so that's our data. We're looking, you know, that was still small molecule land, right? Then in 2010, you're starting to see biologics come. And then if you look at the 2018, 2019 data, biologics then again took over everything, and everyone's going, okay, small molecules are dead. Well, they're not. If you're looking at here, things like Eliquest, Relavid, or oral small molecules. So these new technologies in discovery are leading to these huge advancements in traditional small molecules. Uh, then I, I had COVID-related on the bottom because I think that's kind of a, could be a blip here. You know, Comirnaty, Spikevax, Regenerons, uh, uh, antibodies, and Valkyrie and Janssen vaccines, counting for over 70 billion just in those particular pieces. I might put those in depending on next year how those slides go. But we're looking here is, again, we have very robust products, very robust sales, looking at here from the last 20 years, three times increase in sales. So here we're looking at the innovator. This we're looking at pipeline here from the discovery phase, preclinical on through phase one, two, three, to registration and tracking these. Now we're seeing that small molecules are still the largest contingent of product development. And then we're seeing a large increase in obviously antibodies, proteins, and we're seeing a big increase in what I'm calling advanced biologics is nucleic acid and cell-based therapies. So we're still seeing that uptick on those particular aspects here. But again, small molecules, don't forget about small molecules. They're still here. 
Um, in disease area, we're seeing some uh, minor shifts in here, but obviously cancer is the number one modality here in, in, in looking at uh, disease areas. We have infections, uh, CNS, endocrine metabolism, prim primarily diabetes, and then we're seeing inflammation, immune, inflammatory diseases, particularly with the biologics being addressed, things like psoriasis and, and, uh, and arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and then, then, then all of the other areas. Here we're seeing steady growth across the platforms, but a large growth in cancer, which is really not unexpected because there's a lot of great um, technology a lot of great uh, products coming out of that particular space. This is the clinical trials trends. Um, I usually look at the pipeline move to clinic, and what I mean by that is these preclinical assets moving into the clinic, right? So wasn't surprised to see we had a dip last year. There wasn't as many new entities going into clinical trials. So then I take a look at, well, what does a clinical trial look like for existing products from phase one to three? And that, that scales a little off. It's really not that much different. We're looking about 3,100 to 3,300, a couple hundred different trials. So what we're seeing is that clinical trial trends for existing products in the development pipeline are progressing, but there was a stall last year on taking new entities into the clinic. And I think that's also a reflection if you look at deals, you look at acquisitions, you look at financing. There was, there was a stall last year. So I want to look at some key recent approvals. So what we want to do is highlight some aspects here, um, some of the things I call swinging for the fences and these new technologies, as well as looking at the traditional role of, of, uh, of drug deliveries, making, taking existing molecules and making better proxies, uh, products. So with uh, Novaxvoid, we're looking at this first protein-based COVID vaccine. It's a recombinant nanoparticle technology with a novel, a, a novel uh, um, adjuvant. So you're already coming out with a delivery approach from that discovery site. So that's what I'm talking about, that conversion. Here. So that's, that's really interesting, uh, particular pieces here. Then we're looking at Toprostanil from United Therapeutics in Mankind, utilizing existing molecule in PAH, taking a nebulizer treatment to a really small DPI device with a novel device and formulation technology for deep lung delivery. So this is what we're trying to do as, as drug delivery scientists, is take these products and make better treatment options for patients. I remember talk, there's a lot of talk about devices. Well, devices have been here. On-body injectors have been around like seven, eight years. We're talking about Repatha, and before that, uh, the OnPro, which was really an insulin device that was utilized for, uh, for, for, for Repatha. Now we're seeing these, these particular products, it, looking at IV to sub-key switch for, for maintenance treatment. And then we're looking at Skirizzi. We're looking here again at a, a, an IV starter dose, then looking at the uh, sub-Q uh, administration, again, at-home therapies for all these disease areas. What we're finding is we're seeing good molecules require different solutions for different patient, patient populations, different diseases, and the industry is looking at that to make sure we develop these products that make sense. Another uh, notable here, here is again, an example of a classic molecule that's been around a long time, pointing into a nice little, a little treatment. Anxiety uh, is, is agitation, is a big part of schizophrenia, and you need a very, very simple dosage form. So it's a very elegant, simple dosage form to be looking at this. And looking at sales forecast, 600 million for a very, very old molecule, that, that's, that's pretty decent. So remember, there's good opportunities out there for existing molecules. And again here, uh, I think this is something that we talked a lot about at this conference is the long-acting injectable space. It's something I've been talking about for quite a while and, and a big advocate for. And this is, this is, this is, this is a game changer. We're talking about an H HIV treatment that's sub-Q twice a year. Now the loading dose is with an oral tablet, and the oral tablet is actually an amorphous dispersion. So drug delivery is enabling all of this. And it's not obvious it's a drug, it's a, it's a it's amorphous dispersion, but if you look at the patents, that's what it is. So we're taking this very water and soluble molecule, doing a loading dose with a tablet, and then giving a long-acting injectable once 
twice a year. That's a game changer in these types of, uh, uh, types of treatments because you can really, really, really affect the, the patient outcomes with these patient-centric type dosage forms. And again, here's again two more examples, again, utilizing very, very, very old molecules for, for new products. Uh, looking at something like Zelstrom, it's basically for ADHD, six years and older, so they went after pediatrics. Nine hours before application, seven hours. That's a school day. I would spend a lot less time in the principal's office with one of my children if this was on the market, I can tell you that. Um, and then Realtris, which is utilizing, again, old drug and a technology that's been around a long time. So it's Aptar's device, combination therapy. So it did both the nasal and the ocular symptoms of, of allergies. So this is, that's, those are types of these new drugs that are very, very, very good. I want to talk about some, some highlights, some notable uh, drug delivery technologies. Um, this QSPHERA is a 3D printing technology. Again, looking at the long-acting space, how can we create long-acting injectables of biologics? We've done it for uh, peptides and small molecules. Proteins, not so much, and certainly not antibodies. So we, we did some different technologies to look at this. So Mitotech has, has worked to encapsulate and preserve the functional integrity of, of, of these antigen binding in vitro of a monoclonal antibody, a big accomplishment. Looking at here, virus-like particles here, it's plant-based type of pieces as bioreactors produce these non-infections, virus-like particles. Again, drug delivery discovery, you're starting to see these things converge again. Looking at here, some of this conjugated antisense, brain delivery is still a holy grail, not a lot of options. So we're looking at here, some conjugation using different types of, uh, different sites of ligands to uh, bind to the receptors to get blood-brain penetration of different types of molecules. And we're here, we're looking at the same types of thing with Denali. We're looking at things along the lines that you can do, uh, do all kinds of, of, of uh, improvements in, in the bioavailability of, of, of drugs across the blood-brain barrier. And then in a med ring, here's a device for intervaginal delivery that is a diagnostic, it's a pump, it's, it, it does all kinds of different things in sensors. So it's really taking that, what's been done in auto injectors, and using it to another device. So this is very, very interesting, and it's going to be utilized in, in areas outside of traditional women's health. So I wanted to take a look at the cell and gene therapies here, kind of a look closely more at here. So we're looking at, at gene therapy. So gene therapy is you're, you're molecularly, genetically modifying uh, the human body or something that's going to be introduced in the human body. So we're seeing cell-based ex vivo therapies that are manipulated genetically. So a lot of the cell therapies, which is going to be the next slide, are actually gene therapies where you, you, you manipulate the cell and reintroduce that into the body. Then we have in genes, which is typically most of your viral vectors. We have oligos and then the host of RNAs. So we're looking at ex vivo versus in vivo. So in vivo is, is over half, and that's really going to be the genes and the olegs and the, and the RNAs. And then the ex vivo is going to be the cell-based. And what are the top uh, disease areas? Really looking at cancer and not surprising genetic disorders. And we're looking at CNS, typically a lot of things in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, looking at these debilitating diseases, eye diseases, again, a very good candidate for gene delivery because it's local, uh, and then musculoskeletal. So a little bit at cell therapy, again, we're looking at what type of cells are they autologous, are they allogeneic, what's the gene fraction here, so about half of the cell therapies are also gene therapy-based. And what are the top diseases? Again, not surprising, cancer, uh, inflation, immune, CNS, infection, and endocrine. It's following, again, the trend of all molecule types in these same disease areas. So I wanted to take a look a little bit here at the biologics investment, and this is really advanced biologics. Now this is private investment, and I did it by country of headquarters of the company. Not surprising, the US is number one, but look, China, Korea, top five. So we're starting to see the emergence of those countries 
as major players in the innovative money-gathering private investment of advanced biologics. And by, by that, I mean uh, cell and, and gene-based therapies. That's, I didn't include MABs and proteins, but this is going to be uh, that look into these new, new areas. So there's significant investments by, by the governments, but this is private investment. This is very interesting to note. So we've, we've seen a large uptick in investments in those regions. And also we take a look uh, at CD, CMOs, CDMOs, and CROs. So what we're doing is taking a look across the spectrum, not just your API suppliers, not just your formulators, packaging. We're looking at discovery. So I need to do animal models. I need to do talks. I need to do regular regulatory consulting. Uh, there's, there's over 10,000 companies that we're tracking, and we're seeing, obviously, as these small companies require these services start to finish. These companies have capabilities from doing your DMPK all the way up through your regulatory filings. So we're seeing, and, and globally, we're seeing this all over other regions, you know, North America, Europe, uh, Asia. We're starting to see th things in Latin America, uh, the Middle East, and also Oceania. So these types of services are being utilized across industry, not just by small companies. We're seeing a lot of the large farmer also utilizing these third-party partners and vendors to accelerate their developments. They don't have a particular capability. They can find somebody who does. This is, again, my discovery technology. So we're looking at this as an area we've been following, and we're starting to get a little deeper into this as, as Tarul and I dig deeper into this particular piece, is uh, looking at the, the new molecule discovery, antibody protein, immunotherapies, cell-based. So there's a lot of technologies out there, and some of these are going to be hit target lead IDs and some manufacturing. Seeing how those particular technologies typically coming, this is from industry, and a lot of this stuff is also driven further back into, into the universities, and we'll be taking a look at that hopefully next year. We'll have some data to show you about what the differences in the university-based versus the industry-based discovery technologies. And also we're looking here um, at diagnostics. The really continuing uh, last few years I've been talking about diagnostics here. Here's some, some, some data on, 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 on disease area and cancer, right? There are a lot of different diagnostics from lab tests to point of care and all different uh, ways in which you can test this. And we're also integrating this particular piece as an example here with Limparza on the bottom right. That's the companion diagnostic panel for directing that therapy. And that makes a lot of sense when you're looking at genomics and biomarkers. How can we direct therapy with these best molecules instead of just trying a, an approach? One size fits all. Let, let's, look at the, let's look at the diagnostics. What treatment is going to fit that person's uh, type of cancer and their, and, and their particular genomics the best to get the best outcomes? And you, you start to see these types of things integrated. And cancer obviously uh, makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, on the conclusions here, I mean, uh, we continue to shift towards injectables, again, mainly due to biologics, but small molecules still dominate development, and they do have delivery challenges. Uh, increased development of advanced biologics. We're seeing nucleic and cell-based therapies expanding. Now, that pipeline's highly stacked in the preclinical stage. If we show you that data, a lot of that is all preclinical or research and discovery phase. But I'm expecting to see those uh, moving on to the clinic quickly. Again, we're seeing China and the Republic of Korea are major countries in new investments of novel technologies. So looking here at the CDMO space, they're really an integral part of innovator product development. So discovery to API to formulation to clinical development to packaging to regulatory diagnostics, you know, medical device manufacturing. And we see that, that really displayed here in the exhibit hall. We've got all, a lot of those things right here talking about those, those aspects of drug delivery and drug product development. And also we're seeing, again, the diagnostics integrated into uh, drug
drug development and in clinical practice. So these are really becoming uh, all, all working together. Uh, and then the discovery technologies, which includes a little bit of uh, uh, artificial intelligence. I didn't get a chance to dig in that uh, deeply due to, due to time, but there's a lot of AI being done for discovery, for looking at processes, looking at patient data, patient populations. That's continuing to drive. It's, it's a buzzword, but it's really coming to the fore as data uh, needs to be analyzed by utilizing novel approaches. And we're seeing that, that happening uh, in the industry today. And then I want to do some final acknowledgments here. Uh, we have knowledge doctor, Dr. Tugrul Crowley, who's sitting here. He's our founder and our president. Uh, Dr. Shia Chukin, she's the leader of our um, drug delivery team. And then Selda Jandan, she's our VP of analytics uh, and data analytics. Um, these people make this company run and allow me to produce and, and present this wonderful data uh, to you all today. So thank you for your attention. We hope you enjoyed this podcast recording from The Pod, Partnership Opportunities in Drug Delivery 2022 Conference. For more information, please visit podconference.com.